0: Praise the Lord, amen? Woo, that was wonderful, man. Thank you, Father, for your presence in this room. Come, Holy Spirit, come. He's here, amen? He's here. He's inside of you as a believer. And uh, man, thank you, Rich, Ban, for leading us in that wonderful time this morning, man, taking us to the throne of God. Well, hey, I want to add my word of welcome to our guest today. It's so good to have y'all uh, with us today, and it is a special day. Uh, and uh, for several of our guys and their families, uh, we uh, are uh, ordaining. Uh, we're ordaining four of our men uh, that have served the past year under our deacon watch care ministry. Deacon uh, uh, is one of our the deacon office is one of the two biblical offices that we find in Scripture that God gives us uh, and how He structures His church and the leadership of the church. And so the deacons um, are one of those offices. The elders the other office. And so today we're focusing on those that have served uh, in our deacon ministry. And it's amazing because we've been in a series, we kicked off the beginning of the year with a series Beyond the Garden, and so we're going to continue that series. What's cool about that is how the message today uh, fits uh, so in line with what we're doing today. Uh, in the message um, of of the life of Noah uh, that we're going to be looking at. And so, uh, Beyond the Garden is our series. Today's sermon title is Walking in Grace. And so, if you have your Bible and you'd like to look along in it or your uh, iPhone, iPad, whatever the case is, we'll have it on the screen too. So, we want scripture all around you, amen? Uh, And uh, because it's the word of God we hide in our heart that we might not sin against God. Uh, And so, Genesis 6 will be our main uh, text today where we'll be looking at the life of Noah. But then also... Uh, the Spirit is uh, giving, giving me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 9. And this ties together so beautifully. Uh, and then we'll read Matthew 24, the words of our Lord about the times of Noah in just a little bit. But I want to do a little bit of recapping real quick. Uh, especially for those that haven't been able to, to be with us and then to remind the ones that have so that we get these takeaways in us. We kicked off the first week and we went to the garden with Adam and Eve, our parents, uh, and uh, we talked about learning from our parents' mistakes, that it's very important that we learn from our parents' mistakes. And the takeaway was every man is responsible uh, for his own sin, but only one man can remove sin. Amen. And so everything in the Bible is pointing to the one sacrifice and the one man who can remove sin. Jill, I've been talking about this with our children in chapel every Thursday morning. Every Old Testament Bible story, uh, we lead uh, up to uh, the, 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 uh, basically um, the, the Jesus Christ is the ultimate sacrifice. So, vow we're giving them the word in there every Thursday. And... Um, and so, uh, but, but, but trying, to, trying to get them to where they can see that Jesus is the only uh, sacrifice and the only one who can do for them what even uh, their parents can't do, their teachers, or even Pastor Toby, that Jesus is the only one. And then we looked at their son, the first son ever born uh, and, uh, on earth, and that was Cain. And we looked at Cain, uh, and the takeaway there was what's truly in your heart will affect you and everyone around you. And that's what we talked about last week. And we see that Cain had so much opportunity and possibility and could have been in the place of God and could have seen the plans of God and the the future that God had for him. But instead, he chose to follow his own selfish ways and own selfish desires. And that's a matter of the heart that we must protect um, and, uh, and not be selfish, but rather be selfless as Jesus Christ himself modeled that for us. And then today's takeaway is this, simply this, is walking in the grace of God is the key. Everybody say key. It's the key, thank you, to spiritual victory, and that's what we're looking at, and so I want to challenge our uh, three candidates that are with us today. One of our fourth ones could not be with us today, but Ricky Michael is here, and uh, Kenneth Harris is here, and Bobby Sylvester is here, and can you let their families know and friends how much that you're grateful to have them with us today, and um these guys, I can testify, I've watched them grow in the Lord over the past several years, uh, but especially over the last year, and so it's a, a blessing to have them uh, come along and to serve, serve our Lord with them, and they're an absolute uh, blessing to us, and I just see God's hand all over them. Their testimonies are enough to make me want to cry. Uh, and uh, so I encourage you to, uh, to, to get to know these guys better, but they have a heart Uh, like the lord when it comes to serving and so men i do want to challenge you that you have been set apart to minister the grace of god that's that's what we're called to do and if we're going to minister the grace of god we must walk in the grace of god and so god gives us a wonderful example of noah doing this in such a hard hard time so if you will look at genesis chapter six here's where we find today's text in the life of noah that i want to zone in on Uh, and i want to zone in on starting let's see here Look at Genesis chapter 6, let me get there, we've got it on the screen uh, for you as well. And so Genesis chapter 6, we find our place where the the earth has been um, corrupted with sin, uh, and then I want you to um, look at verse 8, okay? It's the closing of a section after all the wickedness is talked about, but I want to settle in uh, on Noah here, picking up with 8, and then move to verse 9. It says, But Noah found grace, or favor, your translation may say, in the eyes of the Lord. And then if you look down uh, in verse 9, uh, it goes basically down to the description Uh, of what God told him to do in building this boat. And what you've got to remember is there was a tremendous amount of faith being displayed in the life of Noah with what God told him to do. Why? Because the people had never seen it rain. And so, uh, you know, if you've seen rain, it would still even be a test of faith that you believed it was going to rain so much that it was going to cover all the highest peaks around you and the highest peaks of the earth, and that it was going to destroy everything. But that's exactly what God told Noah that it was going uh, to do. And so in all of this wickedness, God gives him this instruction to build this ark. And so we see, we see what Noah, what he was challenged with, and I want to read it because you'll see what was going on in his life. It said, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a, everybody say, righteous a righteous man, blameless in his generation, Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I've determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy... Um, them uh, on the earth i will destroy them with the earth he says make yourself an ark kind of a boat if you can picture um uh, a, a shoebox okay uh, that's about what this structure would have been built like it wasn't built to sell the seas it was built to survive a flood so if you can picture a rectangular shoebox that's basically what he's telling noah to build and then it tells us about this boat um that God tells him to build, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it outside, in and outside with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. Well, we know it was about the size of one and a half football field, so we're talking about a big boat. What else do you know about this boat? I know he must have put the beavers and the woodpeckers on the top level, amen? And um. So I may not know everything about it, but I do know that. Make a roof for the ark and finish it a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. Verse 18, and I will establish my covenant, very important, abrahamic covenant that god established with him with you and you shall come into the ark you your sons your wife and your sons wives with you and of every living thing of all flesh you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you they shall be male and female now some may say at this point well that's kind of uh not very merciful of god to invite others into that noah had been preaching thus saith the lord and inviting these people in and out of their wicked ways and warning them that god was going to send this flood so our merciful god Bible. Says Psalm says his works are over all the earth. And so he he had done that. He had shown his mercy, but many the, the wicked refused to listen to him. And so He said in verse 19, And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall uh, come into you to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did. Everybody say all. Well, it's hard to do all that God commands you, isn't it? And this, up to this point, was the toughest thing uh, that God had commanded that would test the faith of Noah. But he commanded, Noah did all that God commanded him. So how do we walk in grace? I want to give you some ways that we walk in grace with what we see in the life of Noah and then what we hear from the words of Paul, uh, penned on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. The first way is this. We walk in grace by discovering the author of grace. All right, by discovering the author of grace. And we know the author of grace is God. So when it says Noah found grace or favor, I want you to look back at verse 8 where Noah found the grace or favor. There's only one place to find grace and that is where? In the eyes of the Lord. No one else can impart grace to you. It's very important you understand you can impart grace to yourself by being a good person or trying to be a good person or trying to be better than your bad neighbor, all right? And, uh, and some of you may say, well, I don't have a bad neighbor. Well, you may be the one that everybody's talking about, all right? Um, but uh, but Noah found this favor, this grace, in the eyes of the Lord. Now, why was it so important that Noah discovered the author of the grace? Because the entire human race was about to be wiped off of planet Earth. Sin was rampant, spiraling out of control, and it grieved the heart of God to the point that he even says in uh, verse 6 of chapter 6 that he regretted making man, not that God did anything wrong, but that man as a whole was blatantly in the face of God, choosing choosing to go against God in disobedience, choosing sin, and to live in evil. But thank God for Noah. Noah, it, and I hope you get this, it's, it, it, it was not Noah that brought righteousness to himself. It was Noah's response to the righteousness of God being made known to him. Do you get that? That's why Noah found favor and grace in the eyes of the Lord, is that he wasn't trying to be good himself. He he wasn't trying to do it in his own power and his ability. And so it's important that we understand that. What was it that was different about Noah? The difference was that Noah was that he not only discovered the author of grace, but he showed us an additional way to walk in grace, which is the second way, by discovering the avenue of grace. Now, I want to read Ephesians 2, 8, 9 to you. It's a great verse to remember but I want you to look at Ephesians two eight nine. for by grace everybody said grace for by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not of your own doing it is the look at this the gift of God what does that mean it means and God constantly reminds me of this I absolutely bring nothing to the table I bring nothing I'm so glad when I stand before God that I'm going to find grace and favor not because of my pedigree, not because of my church attendance, not because of my giving record, but because a man named Jesus, the perfect sacrifice, died on my cross and bore the wrath of God against sin. Whew. So are, you say, Pastor Toby, are you, are you worried? Well, no, I'm learning more and more not to worry. I, I get concerned about things, but I'm not supposed to worry. It's a sin. Jesus dealt with that in this Sermon on the Mount. But are you, are you concerned when you stand before God? Not at all. Not at all. Why aren't you concerned? I don't say that struttingly. I say it because God, when God looks at me because of the grace applied to me uh, and because of his uh, favor on my life, he can't help but see the perfect son of God. <laughs> now, now think how foolish it is for somebody and most of the people in our country today and the world in general, when they think about standing before God, are going to bring up their goodness in the face of God, Almighty God, a holy God. You're going to substitute yourself for his son? How foolish. But that's what everybody's doing that thinks their good's going to outweigh their bad. That's what every occultic religion's teaching. And Yes, I'll name them to warn you in case some of you don't know, but Jehovah's Witness, Mormonism, Islam, Buddhism, all across the line. Every religion but Christianity. What's the difference in Christianity? Christianity claims there's only one way to the Father because the way to the Father claimed it himself by saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me. Not through Muhammad, not through Buddha, not through any other source. And so we see this grace displayed that it's the gift of God given to us. And so it's amazing grace. That's why we sing it. And, and so it's God at work here. We need to slow down and thank God for His grace and even acknowledge it as amazing grace because these are dark days that we're walking through just as it was in the day of Noah. We're seeing the wickedness. We're seeing the sin. In Matthew 24, 37 through 39, Jesus alludes to this fact straight out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior uh, where He basically says, for as, we're in, as it were in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Now some may say, well... That's not all bad, is it? Aren't we supposed to get married? Aren't we supposed to fellowship? Yeah, but you've got to understand. They were, and, and Genesis 6 actually talks about this, they were intermingling in wicked ways that displeased God, even with the uh, unfaithful who didn't follow God and the faithful who did follow God. So you basically got coming out of the, uh, when, when you got Cain and Abel and Cain killed Abel, Abel, God gave Eve another son named Seth, and it would be through Seth's descendants that God would bless and God would continue a work, and that's where, Noah comes out of that line and we see the hand of God uh, in that basically upon his life. And so that's how God would continue to work in this. And there had to be someone who would follow God and say no to sin and say, I'm going to honor you first in a relationship. I'm going to marry only a a like-minded believer, a spiritual person that is walking in righteousness. And following you, Lord. And so God was preserving that because these chose to follow God from the line of Seth. But not so from the line of Cain. And we'll say more about that in just a minute. And so they were unaware, verse 39, until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. So, (laughs) it's coming. (laughs) It's not coming in the same way, okay? So you don't have to get up. I see some of y'all floating around in a shoebox you've made. I'm not getting in with you, okay? Uh, because that would be, you, that not be, be wise, okay? But God's not going to destroy the world again. He put a beautiful sign. God came up with the rainbow first. Could I get an amen? All right? Uh, God came up with the rainbow first, and that rainbow was a sign that he would never destroy uh, the world again uh, by water. But he didn't put anything in the earth to give a symbol that he wouldn't destroy it by fire. It's coming. Judgment's coming. A sinful world has to be judged. And so, basically, judgment's coming, and it's part of the plan of God. Uh, And his heart grieves that those who would not load uh, the ark called Jesus and come through his son uh, that no matter how dark our days may become, we must never forget the promise of our almighty sovereign God concerning his grace and solution or provision for sin that we find right out of the gate in Genesis chapter 3 where he assures us that uh, a redeemer will one day be born and conquer and crush the serpent. How many of you get excited every time you see a snake die? Anybody in here besides me? Hallelujah. They're all evil and wicked. Even your pet went at home. Don't trust it. I don't care. How you tell it's poisonous or not, don't trust it. Its eyeballs might be messed up. The shape of its head might be messed up. I'm telling you, the devil can deceive itself in mighty ways. Amen? All right, so Noah discovered the avenue of grace, not just the author, the avenue of grace. Remember grace being this, if you've never heard this, I love this because it helps me, all right? I'm, a, I'm like a child, it helps me, and I explain this to a lot of children, and I give it to adults too. Um, grace, what is grace? If somebody asks you at work tomorrow, uh, or at school tomorrow, uh, wh- how do you define the word grace? What would you say? Some would say good, some would say amazing, some would have to think back through all five verses of amazing grace to see what it says about grace. But, boy, it helps me to simplify it. Grace is God's riches. Here's the letters. God's riches at Christ's expense. Whew. Gives us heaven. Gives us life forever. (laughs) With no hardship. No wrinkles. And somebody's about to shout right here, no need for fasting. Could I get an amen? All right. So, not that that's a bad thing while we're down here in the wickedness, but praise God. I'm going to eat like a hog, amen, and look like a, I don't know, of it. hopefully. I'm not going to have love handles, all right? I'm excited about that. So Noah discovered the avenue, and remember what the Bible says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now, what would you do if God told you to build a boat and you'd never seen it rain? What would God tell you? Well, God's not going to tell you that, but let me tell you what God will do. God will tell you to go two doors down to the man who's beating his wife, who's mistreating his children, who puts and gives you a spiritual discernment that that man needs Jesus. And you'll either in faith walk and knock on the door and look for a way to love that man, or you'll look for a way to love that family, or you'll look for a way, you know what I'm saying, to walk in faith and do something. If you're truly growing as a disciple of of God, God will put in your heart to go in love, And implement discipline toward a a brother or sister in Christ in your faith family. Remember we talked about covenant membership? To go to them when you know they're not walking with God. And out of love go to them and confront them in faith. Because you love them so much. We love these guys that are deacons. But we love them and the elders love them. But the elders are committed to holding them accountable. The elders are committed to coming along beside them. And making sure that it's not just talk. But that they are exemplifying. They are radiating. They are reflecting Jesus but we don't just hold them accountable and then live like we want to. We allow God to hold us accountable and hold one another accountable in every area of our life to make us more like Jesus. And so, you see, Satan wants every human being to give in to sin and doubt the existence and faithfulness of God. He wants man to live for himself uh, and for him. And when man lives for himself, he is living for Satan. Now, unfortunately, the majority live for themselves and for the enemy uh, like Cain, who we discussed last week, they, they live for themselves. And this is what grieves the heart of God about the man he had made. This is what was grieving his heart. But notice, and I love this part and thankful to be a part of it, not because of anything I've done, but because of Christ. Notice God always has a remnant that he can bestow his grace upon. He, he didn't start all, He didn't start all the way over. <laughs> he got down real low, didn't he? But he didn't start all over. He took Noah and his family into the boat. When you get over into Sodom and Gomorrah and God was, he didn't like the way they were living. They were living like America's living today and, and, and all of the, most of the countries in the world today. He, he didn't like it. He was upset with it. But, but uh, he, Abraham even negotiated with him and we saw grace and mercy in his negotiation and God spared him. Amen? But some, like Lot's wife, they want the ways of the world more than they want the ways of God. And, and, and it wasn't good results for her because of that. So, but God's always got that remnant. Here's a question for you personally. Are you in that remnant? Are you in that remnant? Will your offspring be in that remnant? Will your offspring be in that remnant? Because they've seen the grace of God on you and your pursuit of God and the righteousness of God. Can I tell you something, parents? Only God can save them. Only Jesus can save them. Only the gospel and the church can change the world. And chances are, if you're neglecting God, they're neglecting God, you're chasing the things of the world, then they're not going to find God or fulfill the purpose that God has on their life if you're chasing anything else more than God and prioritizing that. So will they be uh, members? Will they be in the remnant because of your faith? That They've seen you model that, and and they wanted the same faith. Even though Cain failed to follow God and murdered Abel, God kept his promise alive, as I've said, through the line of Seth. And it's quite amazing how God historically, when all hopes seemed lost, God sent a baby to continue the fulfillment of his promise. Man, what grace and mercy. I love babies. When you're feeding them or they're smiling at you, don't you? All right. When you're having to put up with them, and, and get up at 2 in the morning, and my wife will tell you, she did most of that. But anyway, I helped that every once in a while, and I did change some of those stinky diapers. Um, but, uh, but, but basically, God worked through this, and God worked through babies. Think of Moses. Think of Samuel that Hannah prayed for. Think of David, and then obviously through Jesus and coming to us. So having a godless heritage is priceless. Now, I want you to see the line. The reason the Bible talks about generations and that boring part, sometimes it's hard to read through if we're just being honest. All these names, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of hard. But it is important. A godly heritage is priceless. You see, you had Seth, and then you had Enoch, and then you had Methuselah, and then you had Lamech, and then you had Noah. I I thought of my great-grandmother, Godin, who God gave her 100 years upon the earth, and she was a faithful saint who walked with God. I tell our seniors about her all the day, uh, all the time. How her faith was so strong. Her prayer life was so strong. Her righteous pursuit of God was so strong. She buried her husband and all five kids. Anybody in here ever buried five? She learned to walk with God. She learned to trust in God. She learned that all hope was never lost with God. And that... The greatest glory that can be given to God is when we don't turn our back on him. And no matter what comes against us in this temporary life, it makes us more dependent on God and we will stand and praise our Lord. No matter the report, as Job did. So thank God, Enoch, do you know when Enoch started walking with God though? Remember Enoch's the one who got to walking so close with God? What did God do? He took him. He didn't kill him. Be kind of cool, wouldn't it? You know, everybody's concerned about facing death and all that, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and we know death's lost its sting, but who wants to go through the process of dying, right? Enoch didn't even have to go through the process of dying or feeling, I mean, bad. He wasn't in bad health, and God said, well, I'm going to take him. I feel sorry for him. He just had such a heart for God. God's like, get on up here, man, you know? I want you a little closer to me. But when did he start walking with God? After God gave him a baby boy, Methuselah not that interesting? You know, there's testimonies in here. Some of you sitting in here, you hit those uh, 18, 19. Now it's about four, 15, 16. The devil starts getting in there and pulling these kids away from youth group and church. And you hit that stage where you wanted to be independent and figure everything out. And that's a stage that most of us can shake our head. And that we went through. You know what I'm saying? That's just a stage. But remember when you got that first baby. And you were fine justifying not going to the church and being involved with the church and the second institution that God ordained. But when you gave you that little baby to rock, the responsibility that you were going to be held accountable for parenting that baby got you somewhere to the church house, many of you, didn't it? Enoch. God gave him a son named Methuselah. And the beauty of this generation and the son of Methuselah. Now, guys, don't miss this that are being ordained. The, you're, you're, the name you leave does matter. The life you live above reproach does matter. The pursuit for righteousness in God, it does matter. And so Enoch, God gave him Methuselah, and and, and and he started walking and living with God. And so the grace of God was extended through the last day of Methuselah. Remember, Methuselah was the oldest one to ever live. That's why people say, you looking old as... Methuselah. If somebody told you that this morning, you look right back at them in the spirit and tell them it's National Hug Day, and you just hug them, all right? And maybe God will straighten them out, all right? So m- m- God began to work. In fact, the warning, if you read there, the warning that comes is when he says man, he, he's given man 120 years. Well, the 120 years, when I first read that the first few couple times, I thought it meant he had diminished the age because they lived for so long. Methuselah 967, and then all of a sudden God's saying man's uh, years shall be 120 years. The 120 years doesn't deal with man's age, even though that's about what the oldest person's going to live to now on earth. The 120 years has to deal with before the flood. 100, 100, 120 years. I mean, I said days, but 120 years. He's saying uh, uh, the warning is coming. Man has 120 years left before the blood, uh, before the flood. Now, Lamech uh, chose to be different. Did you know there was a Lamech in the line of Cain? As I think about these men that are being ordained today, there's a lot of more men sitting around this body right here. There's there's a lot of more men sitting in this body right here that God may want you also. Fulfilling one of his biblical offices in the church that he ordained. as a second institution he ordained. I'm just saying. You have to get that from God. But, but I'm grateful for we see the hand of God working in that. And we're seeing more men willing to, 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 to serve and trust God in that. But there was another Lamech. And that Lamech came basically from the line of Cain. And so Seth's Lamech desired for man to find comfort and rest in the midst of a dark, sinful, and depraved world. Lamech named his son Noah, which is associated with the Hebrew word comfort. Let me tell you about Cain's Lamech. Cain's Lamech was just like Cain about himself, and he murdered a young man who had wounded him and then boasted to his wife about his evil deeds, insinuating that he would do it again if somebody looked at him wrong. If you study it, that's what he was. So, what man are you going to be? What man are you going to be? Are you going to be a man that follows God? All right, as, as, as basically Noah did and his Lamech did out of line? Are you going to be a man that lives for yourself? Are you going to be a man that kind of sits and watches everybody else do the work of the Lord and the service of the Lord? Are you going to say, no, God, I want to love you because you love me. I want to serve you because you serve me. You've given life to me. So what's in the name everything if the person is following the one true God? So what do we see in Noah that we need to possess? Let me give it to you real quick. And, men, i want to challenge you with this and challenge everybody else. Noah was a righteous man. Chapter 7, verse 1 through 5 deals with it. We won't read it. Here's a fact. God remembers the righteous. It's talked about throughout the Bible. You see it in chapter 7, chapter 8, Noah was above reproach and blameless, chapter 6, verse 9. That's one of the qualifications that we'll read in just a moment. Noah's walk matched his talk. He walked with God in faith. The most dangerous thing you can do for your children is to talk one way about God and live like the enemy or live for the world during the week and live a hypocritical life. It's the number one thing you can do to push your children away from God. It does not mean, though, that God can't intervene and still work in their life, but the chances are few and far between, and it's going to push them out a road that they'll be responsible for for choosing, but we need to walk and uh, live above reproach. He was blameless. He, his walk, matches talk. His faith demonstrated, I love this one, Noah's faith demonstrated fruit. His faith in God inspired his work for God. Don't let this sink in. I want some of y'all to really let this sink in. I look around here and I see these deacons serve, and they're not doing it for recognition. They're not doing it for the title. We talk to these guys about this, and they'll just start weeping and say, I don't even feel worthy of, of being brought before. I don't even feel worthy of this position. And we look at them and we go, that's why you're a good candidate right there. Because you've got a heart of humility and 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 you got a heart like christ had that you come not for people to serve you but you come to 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 serve and um rather than to be served as jesus said in mark 10 45 but his faith in his faith in god inspired his work for god and so i see this in deacons i see it in other teachers i see it in people coming along and Preschool workers having Miss Cindy with preschool and, and, and taking serious showing up on time and taking serious being there to greet that guest family, taking serious in loving those little ones and with Alicia in the children's ministry. And I'm like, man, God, I, uh, you know, I'm getting discouraged. How they keep going? You know what I'm saying? And, and it's just like, and sometimes we all have our moments, but then I look back and I'm like, look, people serve. Noah served God because his faith in God inspired his work for God. He wasn't doing it for people. He was doing it for God, amen? So if you're really going to serve the Lord and realize you're a minority in the majority of the Lord's church because everybody else wants to more do what they want to do and the things of the world, you're just going to have to always go back to you're not doing it for man and you're not doing it for applause. You're doing it, as Colossians 3, 23, 24 says, you do it unto God, not as unto men, amen? Because you're doing it for God. And so his faith in God inspired his work for God. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I feel a little bit ashamed up here to tell you sometimes about my discouraging days when I look at Noah taking on this project and building this big old boat and never seeing it rain. I'd be like, I mean, I ask God a lot of times, are you sure? You ever ask God, are you sure? You sure, Lord? And I don't know. If he told me what he told Noah, I might have had to repent for calling him crazy. You know what I'm saying? And... um. And um, so his fear, listen to this, not only is faith in God inspired his work for God, his fear of God led him to worship the one true God and love him with all his heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, men and candidates, I want to I give you this right here, 1 Timothy 3, 8 through 12. And I know you know this, but this is what you've been held accountable for over the last year. This is what the elders and the laity, brothers and sisters in Christ, will look for in your life. Deacons likewise must be dignified not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience and let them also be tested first. That's why we do watch care. Then let them serve as deacons if they prove themselves blameless. Their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderers, but but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Let deacons each be the husband of one wife. That's a one-woman man. There's a lot of married men that are not one-woman men. The husband of one wife, a man loyal to his wife, managing their children and their own households well. Is anybody perfect at that in here? I just the first thing I want to ask to point out something here. I mean, I strive in that, but my family, man, my wife will be the first to tell you, he's failed, you know what I'm saying? In a lot of ways. My children say, well, he's, you know, I told you I was driving in traffic. Daddy failed a few times, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but the deal is, it's just like our salvation, you've got to realize that our sanctification is a process. So there are no super Christians. There are no super super men. You know what I'm saying? But what it's saying is, is this guy's being molded more like Jesus. It's saying the guy with the angry temper who doesn't know how to be angry and sin not, who loses it at the ump and wants to whoop the ump, and he's representing the church in a biblical office, he's going to have brothers come along and love him enough to say, hey, brother, you can't act like that. Hey, pastor, you can't act like that. Or hey, pastor, I'm glad that was you. That you I'm, I'm glad that was Aunt me that cut you off in traffic, and not one of our new guests from Sunday. So, so this is this the qualifications, and, and and we've talked about that in the life of Noah. How Noah he he even met all those. Noah would have been a good right candidate for deacon, candidate for elder, and and so he he led the Lord, but he didn't have anything that had control of him but God. And he pursued the righteousness of God more than he did anything. He wasn't addicted to anything. Now, the list could have went on. He could have said not addicted to too much food, right? Not addicted to sports. And so anything that's addiction or harmful to our body and too much is an addiction. He dealt with that. And then he's got to be loyal. He's got to be loyal to the Lord. He's got to be loyal to his wife. The Lord raising up his children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Third and last way here is by discovering the attitude. Here's how we discover grace uh, and find grace. Discovering the attitude toward God and his grace. I want you to look at Genesis 8, chapter 20, verse 22. Man, this is beautiful. (laughs) After God rescues and, and, and brings Noah in and rescues him from the flood, we see the faithfulness of God, but then we see the response of Noah. Then Noah, verse 20, chapter 8, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, <laughs> the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. That's what He's saying. While the earth remains in his ultimate sovereign plan of t- the time he's going to give us on earth, Okay all building up to the culmination of Christ returning and the end times. So he discovered the attitude toward God and his grace was important. Noah remembers God. And my favorite similarity between the ark and Jesus is all who enter the ark were saved and all who enter through Jesus the door will be saved by grace through faith. Noah was saved by grace through faith. The gift of God devoted himself to serve the one true God. Now, as we think about the Word of God this morning and just kind of bow our head and close our eyes and get ready for this part of the service, I want to ask you a couple of questions. And it's for everybody. And and candidates, it's definitely for you in this time of ordination. uh, And um, to also look back on the faithfulness of God. Uh, But I've got to ask everyone here today, have you experienced grace through faith? I mean, literally, what would have been your answer if if you if somebody said, no, when you stand before God and he says, why should I let you into my kingdom? What would be your answer?
1: I, 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 I'm going to have a hard time
0: believing there wouldn't be a few people in here who would have said, well, I'm a pretty good person. Well, I'm better than so-and-so. So really, you, you're going gonna to go with that. You're going to gamble with that. I, friend, I wouldn't gamble with anything of me. I would rather than go with a gamble, I'd go with a guarantee. His name's Jesus. And he died for your sin. And he conquered hell in the grave. And he loves you. And he's not willing that any should perish. And he even loves you enough to give you a free will and a free choice. Because he wanted a relationship with you, not a robot. But if you responded by grace through faith. If you're here and you've never totally turned your life over to the Lord, and in some way you've always tried to come another way except through Jesus, I want to ask you to pray this prayer right there in your spirit. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit to you I am a sinner. And I want you to know, Lord, I'm sorry for all my sins. And I want to ask you to forgive me. And I want to ask you to come into my heart and save me. Be my Lord and Savior. Jesus for saving me thank you for not overlooking me thank you for making me a part of the remnant now Lord change my heart and desires to where I serve you in a way that reflects Christ in Jesus name I pray amen here's a second question have you devoted yourself to serve the one true God are you serving him are you serving him What about a church member? What does your service to the Lord look like? Just let the Holy Spirit reveal that. I can't see you. I can't go weak. For the most part, I I can see what happens around the body of Christ and who who serves and who works and who carries the load with the things that it takes. We always need more on the team. The it makes us stronger. As long as we're growing our walk with the Lord with the right heart. But what is God leading you to do? Could you be making a difference in a 13-year-old young man's life who doesn't have a father figure, man? What about it, ladies? Could you be making a difference in a little 8-year-old girl who lost her mom when she was 2? What about it? Could you be the one to greet that person who wrote out their suicide letter last night? And it made their plan, and they had the 38 to their head. And the phone rang, and one of our members said, Man, I just had you on my mind, and I'd really like for you to come tomorrow. Or, hey, I'd love for you to come tomorrow and see me. Uh, I'm being ordained. Would you be willing to serve and say welcome and love on that person to where the devil's lies could be refuted, that there's no God? no true love of God, I pray you would. I don't know what that looks like, but you get along with God and you make your own altar and you pray. This altar's always open as we move this time into our candidates coming forth and laying hands on them and praying for them. I, I want to I take this time for us all as believers to go to God right now in a time of our own prayer, search our own heart and say, God, make me more like your son. And God, give me the faith, Father, Lord, that would lead me to do whatever you're calling me to do. Let's just tell him that. Make your own personal prayer. I'll give you a few seconds there, and I'll come in and pray behind you. We'll pray together. You are, you're just too good to me, God, personally. God, I pray I don't ever get over the fact, Lord, that that six-year-old little boy, God, in a single-wide trailer, God, in Morgan County, God, you, you love me. Even in living in dysfunction, God, and abuse, Father, you love me, God. And you showed me, God, that I... Could not save myself. And that I, I should take my sin serious, God. Even as a child, God, and, and die to my sins. So, Father, thank you for extending your grace to me, Father. Thank you for your gift of faith. Thank you, God, that I'm your child. I'm an heir. I'm a joint heir with you, Lord Jesus. I'm your family. I'm your son, Lord. And may I serve you, God. And may you answer the prayers of the rest of the hearts, Lord, of those who desire to do the same, God. Lord, as our three candidates are coming this morning, Father, Lord, I just ask your hand of protection over them, Father God. I ask you, Lord, to give them wisdom, Father. I ask that, Lord, you give them increased anointing that will break the yoke, Father God. I ask you to protect them from the warfare, Father God, Lord, and that you would be honored, Father God, in their lives, Father God. They would be men who live, God, as Noah lived and ultimately live as Jesus lived, God, above reproach, Father, blameless, Lord, striving to grow in their sanctification to be more like you, Father.